Hi everyone, and welcome to the 135th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and today is just me, because uh, I went on vacation, and Churro and Savvy were going to record an episode without me, but uh, apparently there was a bunch of technical difficulties associated with that recording. So, yeah, now it's just me, because time zones are really annoying, and uh, yeah, we got to get the episode done. So, but no worries. I'm still going to talk about uh, basically everything they were going to talk about on their episode. I got their outline, so we good there. And uh, I've got a lot of stuff to add from my trip to Tokyo. And there is surprisingly a lot of random Kingdom Hearts related stuff in there. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes Store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania. We have a three-segment show today. Our first segment is a news segment, which, uh, yep, we kind of have news, so yeah, you'll, you'll see what that's about when we get to it. Uh, our second segment is all about my trip to Tokyo and all the stuff that I did. Uh, and like I promised, there are, there's plenty of stuff that's related to Kingdom Hearts, so, uh, no worries there. And finally, our question segment. In the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting it on Patreon at patreon.com ffkhunion. Just pledge a dollar and get access to a special podcast called Please Be Excited. Our Patreon executive producers are as follows. We have Blue Machine, who is at Blue Machine on Twitter. We have Joe Tremonti, who is at JC Tremonti. Lewis James. Barry Norton, who is at Nortron Zero. Chris Morales. Eric Decker, who is at Choco Taco. Jonathan Gonzalez, who is at Oh It's Just Johnny. Josh McNabb, who is at J2K9. Marcus Karnecki. Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen, who is at Massacre23. Zach Duranto, who is at Z Duranto, Billy Jackson, who is at underscore Billy Jackson, Darren Matthews, who is at Doomster73, John McRae, Joseph Robertson, who is at Pokemon Trainer J, Keith Field, who is at The Mighty Keith, Mario Herker, Mike, Mike Shirley Donnelly, who is at Curious Quail, Miles, Miles Ribbons, Mohamed Kwam, Nico Gonzalez, who is at Nick underscore Knack95, Rachel Casterton, who is at Orba Yoon Ray, Richard Holman, who is at Vex Lennon, Tyson Wildman, who is at Ty Wildman 1, Vita Nidus, who is at V underscore Tron 5000, Zach Porter, who is at Porter Paradox, and Zelda Clone, who is at Apes Type Novels. And as always, be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com for a chance to have them read out and answered on the show by us. Or in case of this episode, just me. <laughs> so anyway, moving on to the news. So in this episode, <laughs> I've got good news and I got bad news. Uh, but uh, not, not in that order. I got bad news and then I got good news. Or in, in some ways, you could also consider it to be like uh, anti-news and news. <laughs> So does it does it work like antimatter and matter where like if if an antimatter particle and a matter particle come like regular matter come together and, and they just annihilate each other does, does it cancel 
out? Does that mean we have no news? I don't know. You be the judge. Anyway, our first bit of news is that, uh, yeah, KH3 not listed to be at Jump Festa 2018. So, uh, yeah, I guess that could be our anti-news. <laughs> it's like the absence of news. The announcement of, or the effective announcement of the absence of news. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's what I would call anti-news. Um, but, you know, even, even with, with this, you know, not so happy bit of news, you know, sometimes you gotta turn that frown right upside down and remember that, you know, uh, most of the events that Kingdom Hearts 3 has been featured at, Kingdom Hearts 3 was not listed on the lineup before the events so don't don't be a, a sally sourpuss just yet you never know what uh the remainder of 2017 may hold for us also let me just throw this uh monkey wrench in there uh while there may not necessarily be kingdom hearts at jump festa that doesn't mean we might not get like a random tweet like they did i believe last year of some like I think Sora was in like power form. I don't remember. He somehow he was at like he was like at the mysterious tower and looking up at it and I, I I don't remember the details. It's all fuzzy. But like they tweeted out a screenshot last year, so maybe we'll get a screenshot. I could go for a screenshot. Like you know, if if the alternative is if the alternative is nothing, I'll take the screenshot. Thank you. Uh, screen screenshot and a side of French fries, please. So. You never know what 2017 may hold, but uh, at least on paper, that's the last nail in the coffin for 2017 as far as King Hearts 3 news goes. So here's hoping maybe that's not the case. Now, the good news is the next announcement is that officially, this is official announcement, so we got something locked down for future Kingdom Hearts stuff. Uh, a Kingdom Hearts fan event has been scheduled for the D23 event, which will be happening in Tokyo, Japan in February on in 2018. So that means the next time for sure that we're definitely going to be seeing Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to be next February in Japan 2018. Be there or be Square Enix. Now, uh, some slight things to be aware of about this announcement are, uh, for one, last time they did this in Tokyo, Japan, uh, we didn't get to see the stuff from that event for quite a while. I mean, we heard about it from people who were there, but we didn't actually get to see it publicly for a while. Uh, you know, we're talking a matter of months. So yeah, just 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 keep keep that in mind. Uh, that that it it could be a little bit before we see it. Uh, so so that that that's one thing. Uh, also, other thing. Uh, the announcement, the specific wording of the announcement is that this is going to be something that uh attendees of the event will uh be seeing. The attendees of the event will be seeing a special sneak preview, uh, and the way it's worded makes it sound exclusive. So, uh, while this is our good news for the episode, uh, it also has a, a, a dark side to it. 
a not so happy side to it. So I guess at the end of the day, you can't get bad news without a little bit of good news and can't get good news without a little bit of bad news. That's that's the moral of the story. Uh that's pretty much our news for the day uh for for this podcast. Um there there was, you know, plenty of announcements of related merchandise that's been, you know, go, going around. Uh but uh that's not really something I personally care about on the show. So, uh you know, if you're interested, check Twitter. There's there's always tweets out about new merchandise. If you're into that stuff, great. Uh, I think the most interesting thing I saw was there were some, there was a Donald and Goofy action figure announcement, and they they both are in their Kingdom Hearts style style outfits. I mean, that's the only thing that jumped out to me. I don't even know if that's significant. <laughs> you know, <laughs> have have there been others? Maybe there have been. I don't know. You tell me, or, or don't tell me. I really don't care. <laughs> but, but, please talk to me. <laughs> I'm so lonely. Talk to me on Twitter, at, at underscore Brandon underscore B-R-A-N-D-E-N. So uh, now, moving on to our second segment, because there's really nothing else to talk about with regards to news, and I think you guys are going to be really interested in the following segment. So um, I guess you could sort of take this segment, which, by the way, I'm going to be talking about my trip to Tokyo take this segment as kind of like a preview for what we do on please be excited our uh patreon exclusive podcast uh for those of you who don't know about please be excited which by the way all you got to do pledge a dollar get access to please be excited but don't don't touch that dial because you're gonna get a a a a taste a whiff of it right here so uh please be excited is our opportunity to talk about whatever it is we want to talk about for the show. Uh generally speaking it is related to video games, but uh it could just be related to stuff that's going on in our lives and whatever. So consider this a bit of a preview for that. You know, uh please be excited and the the this segment are supposed to be something super chill. You know, this is something that you listen to when you're folding your laundry or, you know, if if you're drawing a picture or, you know, on, on the way somewhere like in a commute, this is for you. And trust me, uh, you know, we've got I, I, I've made sure to pack as much content into it as possible. This is the most packed, full, non-content content that you're ever going to get. And for the people who come here for Kingdom Hearts stuff, trust me it's full of a bunch of kingdom hearts stuff as well i i i'm a kingdom hearts fan so if i'm going on a trip especially to tokyo you know i'm gonna make it about kingdom hearts somehow and i did so <clears throat> without further ado let's let's get into my tokyo trip so uh for those who don't know i've been living in japan for a year and let's see uh about a year and four months so about a year and four months so far. So I guess I guess that means almost a year and a half. Oh my goodness, so sad. <laughs> it's going by so fast. Uh, but yeah, living living here for a while now. So it, it's about time that I actually head over to Tokyo and start doing some more touristy things and not just live in the middle of nowhere in Japan and <laughs> wallow away my life. So yeah, the first order of business was going to Disneyland. Whoa! So as someone who is originally from Florida. You know, if I'm going to go see someone else's Disney, you know, I'm going to have high expectations. 
And uh, just to give you guys a little bit of a background on the, the Disney game out there in Japan, let me just tell you, there's some really interesting things about the Tokyo Disney Parks. Uh, step one, it's not owned by Disney. What? The Tokyo Disney Parks are not owned by Disney. They are licensed from Disney by a company called the Oriental Land Company. Let me tell you something a little bit about Japan. Japan is an archipelago. If you guys didn't pay attention in your geography classes, and, and Mr. M- Mrs. Terwilliger is mad at you because you didn't remember from geography, an archipelago is a collection of islands. And uh, one of the uh, you know distinctive uh, traits of an island is there's not a lot of land. So <laughs> the land you do have is probably going to be expensive. And if this is a well-established nation, there might even be a monopoly of companies that fight over and buy up all the land. Hence the Oriental Land Company, who owns Disney parks in Japan. Uh, There are two Disney parks in Japan. we got Tokyo Disneyland, which is very much like if you've ever been to uh, Disneyland in California or if you've been to Magic Kingdom in Florida, you've basically been to Disneyland in Tokyo. I mean, it's there, there are exclusive things. Of course, there's exclusive things in every park. There's little differences. Uh, everything's in Japanese in, in Tokyo Disneyland. But for the, the long and the short of it is, it's more or less that kind of a park. If you've been to either Magic Kingdom in Florida at Disney World, or if you've been to Disneyland in California, you've seen the general layout of that park, that style of park already. And most of the rides are exactly the same. So no worries there. Now, I will say, I, I do appreciate going back to Disney after a long time, specifically Disneyland, uh, because the last time I went to Magic Kingdom was probably when I was 10, so uh, getting to go back and experience some rides that I haven't experienced in a while, you know, namely Pirates of the Caribbean, Splash Mountain, uh, Space Mountain, you know, all, all, the, all the big, uh, as they say in the biz, the e-ticket rides, it's really great to see him again. Long time no see, a lot of fun. So you know, if you're in Japan and you're and you want to get your Disney fix and you, and you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to stray too far from what you're used to, or if you never went to those parks originally in the first place, uh, Disneyland's a great Tokyo Disneyland is a great way to experience that. Uh, that being said, skipping on from that because there's not too much special about. Tokyo Disneyland that I uh, was able to ascertain. Uh the other park, Tokyo Disney Sea. That park is the sleeper hit of all the Disney parks. Now I know, I know. It's not the, the Tokyo Disney parks are not tech, they're not owned by Disney, but you know, they're still Disney parks. And out of all the Disney parks, and let me tell you, I've been to all of them in Florida and that's that's <laughs> That's a that's a very you know if you don't know too much about Disney, uh, Florida's got the most Disney parks. So if you've been to all the ones in Florida, you've seen a very representative uh, sample of what Disney's got to offer in terms of theme parks. So I've been to all of those, and I gotta say, Tokyo Disney Sea, it's my favorite Disney park. Now, from what I've heard, I've talked to you know some some English teachers here that are like actually like super into like 
like super nerdy into theme park stuff and they're like yeah duh like everybody knows disney sees the best I'm like look man I- i'm i'm the basic I- i'm the basicest theme parker person out there you know i just happen to live in florida that's why i went to so many but uh you know coming from me and, and my perspective and all the parks i've been to tokyo disney sea definitely the best disney park uh one thing and this is you know, we're going to get into some Kingdom Hearts stuff right here. I hope you're ready. Did you get your Kingdom Hearts <laughs> underwear on? <laughs> I'm sure Disney's selling it now. Do you have your uh, Kingdom Hearts Disney seatbelts on? You know, keep your hands and feet inside the ride at all times. Because did you know that sea salt ice cream originated from Disney Sea? Because it did. So if, if, if you go back in time... Tetsuya Nomura has talked about in interviews in the past why the heck these Kingdom Hearts characters are constantly eating sea salt ice cream and what's what's the significance of that. Basically, Nomura, you know, lives in Tokyo. He's been to Tokyo Disneyland, Disney Sea, and at some point when he went to Tokyo Disney Sea, he tried the sea salt ice cream, loved it, and was like, "Hey, let's put it in the game," and he did. So, you know, uh, the place where it all originated sea salt ice cream it's there it's easy to find i went there in the winter and it was still there and i still ate it and it was still awesome i guess in the winter you don't have to worry so much about it melting so that's that that's a plus uh but uh don't don't get hypothermia i didn't but you know something to be uh concerned of so some things my my comments this is going to be my impromptu uh official sea salt ice cream disney review uh, by the way, if you haven't seen it, go to at KHUnion on Twitter. You can see my stages of sea salt ice cream, of me experiencing sea salt ice cream for the first time. It's just in picture form. At some point, I'm going to post a video of uh, of my like five-second review of it. Uh, but basically, uh, here's the deal. It's super awesome. Very delicious. Now, uh, in the Kingdom Hearts games, when they describe the flavor of sea salt ice cream, the way they describe it is that it's both sweet and salty. I'm here to tell you today that that is true, but the salty aspect of it has been grossly overestimated, basically. Uh, Yeah, if you're not trying to taste for the saltiness, you're not going to taste it. I, you know, I hate to burst some people's bubbles out there. I don't know if people, like, have eaten, like, their own, like, recreations of sea salt ice cream from maybe recipes that they've had, they've seen online, and maybe those versions are kind of, like, actually noticeably salty. The real deal is not that noticeable. Now, the way I would describe the saltiness is not necessarily as saltiness, but there's almost, like, a minerally aftertaste to it. And the actual ice cream mostly tastes like vanilla. Like, it's, it, like, for me, again, remember, I I told you, I'm very basic. So, for me, vanilla's good. Vanilla, straight up, vanilla is my favorite ice cream. So, like, you know, if you're already scoffing at that concept, you know, move aside. Maybe sea salt ice cream's not for you. But I like the sea salt ice cream, vanilla-y flavor, and the slight aftertasty uh you know the subtle undertones of like maybe this fell into the ocean a little bit but it it didn't get in that much or 
I guess maybe that's not a good uh, description for what it's like. It's like if you got some ice cream from McDonald's. No, not even ice cream from McDonald's. It's like if you got an ice cream sandwich, you took off the sandwich part, and somehow, like, Free Willy came over and, like, sprayed seawater, and all all that came was, like, a mist of seawater, and it's just sort of, like, gently caressed that the ice cream that you're currently holding in your hand that you took off the the ice I'm, it's a bad explanation but it's it, it's it's kind of like that it's like it's very subtle i'm just gonna tell you the saltiness is very subtle so if that's something you were worried about you know it being this weird uh sweet and salty ice cream thing don't worry it's it's really not uh some other things to talk about the original packaging for this sea salt ice cream was very different uh, from what I got, because, you know, over time it has changed. So the original sea salt ice cream, the one that Nomura ate from, you know, the fabled sea salt ice cream, was not what I ate. The ice cream's the same. The packaging is not. The original package was, you know, it's just ice cream in a cup and they gave you a spoon. Straight up, that was it. The new setup is... You know, you buy it. It's in this little pack, plastic packaging. You open the package, and it is like a seashell. It's like a sea. It, it, it's it's a seashell, and then the outside, basically seashell part is. It's kind of like a waffle cone, of of an ice cream, but maybe like lighter than that, a little bit lighter than that. And the coloring of it is like this, like sea foamy pink color, uh, like orangish pink. It almost looks like a sherbet, but like, look, it it doesn't taste like anything. You know, it's it, it, it's as bland as you know a bland waffle cone is. That you know, the the point of that seashell is not flavor. It's to contain the glorious sea salt ice cream within. It's the you know effectively as they just described in Aladdin. It, it's the it's the you know sea sea salt ice cream is the diamond in the rough. And then the the shell is the the rough. Now that being said, there is something in there that caught me off guard that I didn't know was there. I, I look. Let me just say I did not research this in advance before uh, partaking of the ice cream. But there is within the sea salt ice cream, as it were, strawberry jam. There's some surprise strawberryness in there. So. Uh, I don't know if that is like going to color my opinion of the ice cream. I will say I did take bites of it where I only got ice cream so I could like accurately get a a taste for what the taste was. But uh, yeah, Uh, just so you know, if if you ever go to Disney Sea, if you ever buy the sea salt ice cream and you want to ensure that you are getting the proper experience so you're actually tasting just the ice cream as they do in Kingdom Hearts because look from what I see. Ain't they no uh they ain't no jelly in that. So what you gotta do? Go for the sides. Go for go for like the tips. There's no jelly there. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Another very important thing, because I know that when you guys go to Disney Sea, because you should, because it is the best Disney park, uh you know, you're gonna be wanted to eat a lot of the sea salt ice cream. But you want to also be able to fit on the plane when you go back, and you don't want, you don't want to be super fat. Good news. Sea salt ice cream is diet friendly. Whoa! It's only 150 calories. That's that's diet status when we're talking we're talking ice cream. The 
the the person that I went with, uh, she got the uh, there was also this like tiramisu, uh, ice cream sandwich thing. That thing was like three hundred and twenty calories. Like, come on, sea salt ice cream less than half. Get on our levels. I say our because we're Kingdom Hearts fans and we know that if we're going to Disney Sea, we are eating sea salt ice cream. Sea salt ice cream revolution. Let's get that. <laughs> draft your tweets let's get the hashtag trending so uh you know if if you wanted to know what other offerings they had as far as ice cream goes so you could like look down your at your nose at them while you're eating your sea salt ice cream they have some mickey shaped ice pops i think they had like an orange one and a strawberry one i kind of want to try the strawberry one but i can't bring myself to buy anything but sea salt ice cream if i'm gonna be at disney see uh and also they had a tiramisu ice cream sandwich uh you know i, I told you about it before uh, basically, it's just an ice cream sandwich, but the cookie parts taste like tiramisu. I know because she let me have a bite. And, you know, again, looking down my nose at anyone who buys that instead of sea salt ice cream. J- JK. So nobody gets mad at me. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, so, uh, a- as I said before, uh, Disney Sea, best Disney park. Uh, the best way I could describe the layout of the park and, like, the stuff that's there. Uh, if you've ever been to Epcot and in florida and you know how they have like the different areas that are kind of like different countries it's kind of like that but also like disneyland where they're not garbage (laughs) so like disneyland has the you know disneyland slash disney world you know each area is awesome and has really nice stuff epcot has a bunch of different areas that look nice but are crap because there's nothing there there's like there's like almost no rides uh disney sea is like the good part of epcot and then the good part of disney world slash disneyland or uh, magic kingdom slash disneyland where you got these cool themed areas and cool rides that makes it the best disney park in my opinion uh so and also uh if you're uh, a final fantasy 15 fan this park is basically final fantasy 15 it's basically eos except uh no no big grassy plains it's like if eos was only towns uh but but not insomnia which now that i think about it that's basically final fantasy 15 ouch rip in peace insomnia please come back in dlc anyway but uh yeah there's like straight up so like right when you walk in the park please walk into the park like during the day you know kind of sunrisey you will witness one of the most breathtaking walks into a Disney park you will ever see. There is this massive volcano that they constructed in the middle of the park, and it looks gorgeous. And the rocks are so realistic and stylized and well art-directed. I know, I said realistic and stylized. Look, you just got to be there to believe it. It is amazing. It looks like you know, art direction wise, it's very much like when you first walk into the Final Fantasy 15 world and you see the Rock of Ravitao, but it's real and it's in front of you. And it's like, wow, like, I'm not kidding. Low key almost cried. Like, I- I'm being serious. Now, to be fair, I am an artist and like, I kind of have a thing for rocks because 
I want to be a concept artist, and concept artists by default have to love rocks because if they don't, they're going to hate their life because, like, if you get any jobs in concept art, you're painting rocks at some point, and, and often. So that's awesome. Also, once you go to where that big old mountain is, that big volcano, right in the middle, there's this big crater. And then there's all this, this mining equipment. Now, I'm sure y'all can remember back in FF15, like chapter 10, you know, uh, uh, poor baby Ignis and his uh, affliction, no spoilers, uh, and, and walking around that area. Uh, well, actually, in the game, it looks pretty bad. Okay, I'm talking about for all you nerds who watched the trailers like me before the game came out and you saw that place during the daylight and it looked amazing. Okay, that, that's basically what that area looks like but it's in real life and you're there and it's awesome also there's a restaurant and they sell gyoza hot dogs which are basically dumpling dogs it's basically a large dumpling it uh, heaven this place is heaven best disney park go there be go there or be square please <laughs> it's worth it so that's that that's that's basically uh D- disney scene in the nut- in a nutshell uh another minor note um if you do go there uh you're gonna want to be a- aware of a character known as duffy now uh I-, I don't know if you know what duffy is i sure didn't before i went uh so, so when i went there uh, you know, there's like a monorail, much like you are maybe accustomed to if you've been to the the Florida parks. I, maybe do, do the California parks have monorails? I don't know. I've I've not been to the California parks. Only the Florida ones. They got monorails. Tokyo Disney also has monorails. <clears throat> when you are at the park and you're riding on the monorails, occasionally you might encounter a a, a Duffy, a Duffy monorail. Which I didn't know was a Duffy monorail, because like basically, uh, when I got on, I, I encountered a a regular one or a a, a Christmas one, because you know it's around Christmas time. And uh, the per- my tra- travel companion for for this trip basically uh, explained to me that oh, last time I came, I saw a a, a Daffy one, uh, and, and I say Daffy because that's that's what I heard, you know. But like this is basically because. It, you know, she's she's Japanese. So the way the Japanese people say Daffy or Duffy, it all kind of sounds the same because in 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 Japanese there's no ah sound. So to me, I'm thinking she's talking about Daffy Duck, and I'm like, wait, Daffy Duck? No, that's that's, that's Looney Tunes. So I'm like, wait, like Don- Donald? You mean like a Donald Duck monorail? I'm like, no, D- Duffy. Oh, D- D- Duffy. What's Duffy? So here's here's Duffy. Duffy is like this the most generic teddy bear you could ever envisage imagine the most generic teddy bear you've ever uh, you could ever imagine like the, the most plain now make it like 10 steps plainer no plainer plainer than that that's duffy all right now in addition to duffy imagine that same bear that same teddy bear that you've just envisaged all right, now envisage it ever so slightly pinker. Not not too pink. No, 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 no. Less pink, less pink. Like, you got to look real close. Like, 
Like imagine regular Duffy and then this pink one that you're creating in your head. And the only way that you can tell one is slightly pinker is if they're both together. If they're not both together, you can't tell the pink one's pink. Okay, put a bow on that one. That's Girl Duffy. I forget her name. Also, there's a cat. Also, there's a a rabbit. She just got announced. Her name is Stella Lou. Stella Lou was there and present and accounted for. Uh, So these characters, these are all fabrications for the Japanese Disney parks. These are not things that are available in other parks. Uh, despite what Disney Sea is trying to cram down your throat, the fact that this is Duffy, like the name Duff, whenever Duffy is like addressed in Disney merchandise, he is called Duffy, comma, a Disney uh, trademark, trademark symbol, bear. Duffy, a Disney bear. And then the other characters are uh, uh, friends of Duffy, a Disney bear. So it, it it's very strange, but Duffy, I'm not kidding you. Duffy is a huge deal at these parks. If you go to any of these parks, it doesn't matter if it's Tokyo Disneyland or Disney Sea, though you will see more of it at Disney Sea because Disney Sea is more of the, you know, it's more of an original Japanese park. So they got a little bit more flexibility to shove Duffy into more things. Uh, so Duffy's everywhere. Duffy's friends are everywhere at like, Every fifth uh, person that you see that happens to be a girl is wearing something Duffy. Uh, if you, every fifth couple that you see are wearing uh, matching couple outfits of the Duffy, like boy bear and girl bear. Uh, I, I've not seen it. I didn't see anyone wearing the cat or the rabbit, but like, like pretty much for all of them, like, you know, you're, you're going to see Duffy fans. And, and this, this part was just like a little bit nauseating, but like, so they've got these like so, so there's a, there, there's a trend at these parks where basically uh these duffy fanatics will will come to the park perhaps even alone and they've got these massive bags with them full of duffy like stuff stuffed animals duffy bears with their own custom outfits which you can either buy or make yourself and they will bring them to various parks parts of the park and place them on benches or by uh different decorations on uh, you know you name it they'll place them there just so they can take pictures of their cute duffies their their duffy uh, things look I, I it was baffling and every time i saw it and by the way every time i saw it was many 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 times because this is a, a for real thing it, it, it was it was pretty pretty shocking like I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. So that's Duffy. So the most generic bear ever, if you place it at a Disney Park and you make it cute enough, it can become bigger than Mickey. Now, do I can I say that strongly enough? Bigger than Mickey. How can I say that quantifiably? The line for Mickey was 90 minutes. The line for taking pictures with the Duffy mascot guy it was like 120 minutes. Duffy is bigger than Mickey. What is this world coming to? Moving on. <laughs> so I also went to uh, parts of Tokyo, went to Harajuku. Uh, long and the short of it is uh, it's overrated. Don't go unless you actually, you know, unless you actually plan on buying like fashion-y type stuff there. If, it, it, you know, 
when I went there, I did not see a single person dressed in the typical Harajuku fashion, you know, like the gothic Lolita stuff or just like regular Lolita stuff. Honestly, I saw more of those kind of uh, dressed people at Disney than I saw at Harajuku. And my understanding is apparently that whole phase was more of a thing in the 90s. And the way that we're, you know, told about Harajuku is kind of like a little bit old and out- outdated. And when you go- actually go to real Harajuku, like the the girls there they're all dressed kind of normal and they're just looking there to buy fashion stuff so if you're a guy looking to see girls dress kind of weird it's, it's probably not going to happen now that being said a couple of the workers there at some of the shops they'll dress in the the weird attire just so it's like just so there's somebody there that looks like that for the tourists but like it, it it's a kind of a big letdown so i would say if you're in Japan, Harajuku, you can skip it. Next, I went to Akihabara. Went to the Square Enix Cafe. The one that opened up for Final Fantasy XV. Uh, let me just give you a warning about the Square Enix Cafe. You will not get into the Square Enix Cafe. It's booked. Basically, everything's on reservation. And when I actually went inside... you can, Okay, let me be clear. You can go inside. You will not be able to sit down and eat unless you make a reservation. Uh, I didn't even bother. I did go inside. I, I saw their little tiny shop. And I, I must say, the actual cafe part, there's not that many tables. I can see why they sell out. Uh, and basically, they have a sign out front of the cafe that basically has all their time slots for when they let people in. Like, for reservations, they will all be booked. And, like, the, there was just, like, a time slot at the end for, like, random people. Uh, but that's like like super late at night. I'm like, no, I'm not coming back here for that. When I gotta go get back to the Airbnb, forget it. So, uh, yeah, Square Enix Cafe. Uh, go there, I guess. Uh, there was a Gachapon machine for Kingdom Hearts stuff. I got a Ventus pin. Okay. Uh, again, I'm not the kind of person that's really into that. Maybe I'll give it away as a prize. I probably not. <laughs> D- don't count don't count on that because that means i have to mail it from japan uh so uh uh next place i went to was shinjuku slash kabukicho now let me just say word of warning do not go to shinjuku or kabukicho at night alone especially if you are a foreigner uh i am only go i only went there because uh the last time i went i i, I kind of like got lost <laughs> That was the first time I went. And this time, I'm going there with with a Japanese person. So, you know, if I have any problems, like, everything could be taken care of. Basically, let me just say, uh, so Shinjuku, Shinjuku's probably fine. Kabuki chose the place you gotta worry about. Uh, basically, uh, all the Yakuza games, that's where they're set. So, <laughs> it's not the, the safest place in the universe. There's a lot of host clubs. Uh, a lot of like shady businesses, like that's the one part of Japan where like most of Japan, totally safe. That's the one place y- you may not want to visit. Uh, it, you know, if you're going there, I mean, if you're going there as a group and it's not too late, it's probably fine, especially if it's during the day. If you're, if it's during the day, no one is awake there. Like it's going to be a ghost town. You'll be fine. Uh, I did see a couple of celebrities there, but not like the good kind. <laughs> like. I think they were in adult movies. Uh, when when I went there, like, uh, we first went there, uh, because we were walking there to go to Square Enix, um, and 
you know, when we were first walking through there, it was before sunset and like nobody was there. And that's when I saw the apparent celebrities that were in adult films. My travel companion pointed them out to me. And then uh, then we went to Square Enix. And then on our way back, uh, that that's when like things were lit. Uh, and I, I say that in a literal and figurative sense because uh, there's a ton of lights there. And also uh, lit as in like the millennial vernacular <laughs> version of that word. Uh, I also went to Kabuki Cho specifically because I'm a big fan of Ryuga Gotoku, uh, aka the Yakuza series. So I wanted to take a bunch of really stupid otaku photos of me just in places that I remember from Yakuza, specifically the Don Quixote in Kabuki Cho. And let me just say, if you've played any of the Yakuza games that are set in Kamurocho, which I think pretty much all of them, and you've been to the Don Quixote, let me just say, the the entrance is identical. Exact same layout. I, I was having, like, this crazy, like, vertigo euphoria experience because it's like the virtual world and the real world are, like, almost identical. What's going on? That was crazy, but it was awesome. Uh, I took some some funny pictures outside of Kabuki Cho. Uh, I'll probably post them to my Twitter eventually. Again, at underscore Brandon underscore B-R-A-N-D-E-N. Uh, so yeah, Shinjuku, Kabuki Cho. Oh yeah, by the way, uh, went to Square Enix. It's not my first time going there. Uh, um, if you go to Square Enix, you are not going to see anything important. But if you're dumb like me and you want to get a picture with a sign, there is a sign that says Square Enix. Uh, I will highly recommend go during the day like midday because every time i go it's always at night i say every time i mean like i've been there twice uh it's always at night and uh it's so ridiculously impossible to take a good picture with that sign because it's so bright and then it's dark and there's no lights to illuminate you and it's just like this this incessant fight with your white balance of your phone and the iso settings and it's like ugh, it's not great or, or or bring like professional pho- photography lights. It look, it's not worth it. Anyway, uh, next next point on the tour was going to Artnia, which uh, by the way, they're still having the well at the time of this recording, they're still having the uh Kingdom Hearts 15th anniversary event. So I gotta see, I got to see that. Uh, but much like the Square Enix Cafe, which is in Akihabara. Uh, Artnia also has a reservation system, which they were, again, all booked up. But uh, they they do have a cordon-off section where there is a lot of memorabilia and stuff uh, for, for whatever event they have on display, which at this time was the Kingdom Hearts 15th anniversary event. So some of the things that I got to see were a more than life-size uh statue of roxas now i always thought these these statues were life-size no roxas is like five feet tall like five feet nothing just like sora is uh this roxas was taller than me i'm five foot eight also his hands and the sea salt ice cream he had in his hands were flipping massive so uh let me just say let me set the record straight that statue is not life-size that is above life-size it's big so 
I mean, let me, you know, this is not the Statue of Liberty. Don't, don't get your hopes up, but it's big. It's bigger than a normal human being. Okay, moving on. Uh, some other things, lots of artwork. Uh, specifically, a lot of final sketches from Tetsuya Nomura himself. Uh, when I say final sketches, I mean, like, this is the outline done in pencil by Nomura, fully cleaned up. So this is not like, uh, concept sketches that didn't get used. Like I'm talking, these are final, uh, artworks that were, uh, event eventually then colored and actually used for promotional material. Uh, so th this is all like final sketches of promo art. So I got to see things like, uh, you know, the start menu from, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 final mix where you got Roxas and, uh, Sora together. Uh, you got the, the, uh, three, five, eight over two days. Uh, pencil art, the promo art of like Roxas and his coat flying off, and then in the background of his coat, you got uh Axel and Shion and Roxas eating sea salt ice cream. Like that art, I got to see that in pencil form. Uh, there were some uh some like storyboards of from Birth by Sleep of some various cutscenes with like Ventus and a lot of stuff with Xehanort basically. Uh, in these things and it was really interesting because unlike a lot of storyboards where they're really simple in their layout you know like it's like we're talking like a, a typical storyboard you might have like just side by side square panels that are like the same shape as what the screen would be so in the case of uh, of this game birth by sleep it would have been you know if it was a standard storyboard it would have just been like some 16 by 9 rectangles side by side to each other with some like notes underneath um but it wasn't like that it was actually uh formatted a lot like a comic book like it, it had all this really interesting layout to it and flow to the scene and like it kind of makes me think like did Nomura make this kind of stuff for all the Kingdom Hearts games? And like, does that mean that Nomura effectively, when he wrote the story, did he effectively make it a, a comic? And like, wh why, why not release that? <laughs> and like, why, why pay, you know, uh, Amano, whatever his name, who, who does the Kingdom Hearts manga, why, why make him do a manga if Nomura like effectively made a manga out of the storyboards for the games i don't know i'm just i'm just thinking about that out loud uh and i, I kind of want to see more of that because it looks stunning and i, I want to see more and it actually was like really interesting to see i'll post pictures of it and you know I, I, look let me just say i'm not the first person to go to this thing so um you know these pictures are already out there so but I, i'll 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 post them to my twitter for convenience if you're listening to this podcast so very interesting uh, that, that was pretty much all my highlights from Tokyo. The next day, I also went to a place called Shinagawa, and they had a uh, a big aquarium called Aqua Park. Uh, and I went there, saw this really awesome dolphin show. You know, I'm sorry, you know, if you're like a conservationist or something. Look, uh, I'm in Japan. Went in Rome, do as the Romans do. So I watched uh, some dolphins do backflips, and it was awesome. So, uh, and yeah, that was pretty much it. Went back to my my bore, boring life in the middle of rural nagasaki and uh yeah it's it's been great love the trip uh there's still a lot of stuff i haven't seen in tokyo yet i have not seen the sky tree I've not seen tokyo tower not been to asakusa 
Uh, I've not been to Shibuya, Ikebukuro, Roppongi. Like, there's a lot to do. So this is not the end of my time in Tokyo. I'll definitely go back. Um, and hopefully one day it'll also be for for the purpose of an interview with Square Enix. <laughs> I'm working, man. I'm working on it. Uh, you know, just gotta get my my Japanese up there. I am, uh, as I frequently say in Japanese, when people ask me how I'm doing with my Japanese, I say, uh, which means my Japanese is still, uh, I'm still in the middle of studying it. So now let me just say, I can carry conversations. I can carry basic conversations. I can live my life. I can speak, you know, you know, a lot of basic stuff. My big problems that I'm having is, uh, obviously the reading, uh, there is a lot of kanji. Uh, also, uh, listening is a problem for me. And, and I think it's mostly because I don't know enough vocabulary yet. You know, there's just a lot of vocabulary out there in a lot of different situations that use different words. So I feel like I can say a lot, but when Japanese people speak to me in a natural fashion, uh, I miss a lot of it, but I do generally, I am generally able to have conversations with Japanese people. I, I've I've hung out with J- Japanese people that spoke no English, and you know, I've had a great time. So, uh, you know, I- I'm getting there. <laughs> anyway, moving on to our question segment. Our first question comes from Armando, who asks: It feels like we haven't gotten as much information on Kingdom Hearts three as we've gotten from other titles in the past. Why do you think that is? So I looked into it, and uh, I think the best title we can compare this to is the last... Oh, man, this is going to go back a while. The last numbered Kingdom Hearts title we had, which was Kingdom Hearts 2. So at this time, and I'm using this time loosely, at this time in Kingdom Hearts 2's development, which I am determining as being the last effectively the last trailer that we saw in the year prior to release because that's where we're at so we are at the end of the year prior to kingdom hearts 3's release so going back to that point in kingdom hearts 2 development i'm going to talk about let's see what what we knew about what we have seen in trailers at that time so we're talking we've seen agrabah Land of Dragons, Beast Castle, Hollow Bastion slash Christmas Town, and Olympus Coliseum. That's five Disney worlds. And one of them that happened to have like two different sides to it, Halloween Town and Christmas Town. And then we'd also seen in cutscenes, Destiny Islands, Hollow Bastion, and Twilight Town. So in total, that's eight worlds. Now, let's see what we know about as far as Kingdom Hearts 3 is concerned at the current time, we know about Olympus Coliseum, the Tangled World, the Big Hero 6 World, and the Toy Story World. So that's four Disney Worlds as compared to five Disney Worlds for Kingdom Hearts 3, or for Kingdom Hearts 2 that we knew at that time, you know, relatively speaking. So as for other worlds we've seen for Kingdom Hearts 3, we've seen Twilight Town, uh, I guess you can kind of count the mysterious tower, even though it's kind of like connected to Twilight Town, but whatever, let's count it just for argument's sake. Twilight Town, mysterious tower, wherever it is that 
young Xehanort and er- Eric, young Ericus are talking to each other. That last we heard, that was called Cable Town, from based on the reports that we got from Churro when he went to the 2014 event. Uh, so that's one place. Uh, and then, so just going on that, those are seven worlds. But we've also seen through back cover, or, or, or uh, through through the uh, final chapter for Kingdom Hearts from two, <laughs> we've also seen from Kingdom Hearts two point eight a few things. We've seen uh, Destiny Islands, the Dark World, Daybreak Town, the Keyblade Graveyard, uh, both pre and post keyblade war which would bring the counts of different locations to between like 10 and 11 so in some ways at least in terms of locations we've actually seen more than what we saw with kingdom hearts 2 but in other respects like in terms of how complete these things are and how confirmed these these things are we've seen less for example, uh, in the case of Tangled, we only saw one area of it. We didn't see any Disney characters apart from Donald and Goofy there in that area. And uh, we also haven't seen anything from Big Hero 6. Uh, Toy Story is actually the most complete world we've seen other than Olympus Coliseum. Which, so if you take it all into consideration, my analysis of it would be that yeah, we've seen a little bit less, but I would also say, if we're going back to what Nomura was talking about uh, not too long ago, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 will have less worlds than Kingdom Hearts 2 had. So if we also factor that in, the fact that it has less worlds, then maybe it kind of evens out to we, we kind of know as much as we did back then. Like, it, it, you know, if you really think about what we knew about Kingdom Hearts 2 back in 2004, it actually wasn't that much. I do think that maybe we knew a little bit more about the story, but then you could also argue that uh, we got the release of Kingdom Hearts 2.8 for Kingdom Hearts 3, and that was all story, and that's like... You know, if you really think about it in terms of new content that was included with that, that's at least five hours of content, you know, or, or like f- four or five hours of content, you know, depending on how quickly you go through 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 0.2. So, I mean, I think it all sort of evens out, uh, but of course it all depends on like how much of the stuff that's in 0.2 and back cover and all that stuff, how much of that gets reused in kingdom hearts 3 how much of that carries over and you know that's currently kind of a an unknown quantity so i i think it personally kind of evens out but you know it's again you know we're kind of comparing apples and oranges at this case uh and you know that's kind of always going to be the case because they're different games you know they might be roughly the same developers and at least it's the same lead staff and producer uh but there's still different projects with different constraints and different goals. And I think that's the other thing. So if we have in fact been seeing less, uh, I would say the reason we have, and at least the reason we've uh, had more uh, quote quiet times in the PR for this game. The reason for that is because the game development's taken longer. And also uh, 
this is a much bigger, harder project than Kingdom Hearts 2 ever was, or any of the Kingdom Hearts games were. And when I say bigger, I don't necessarily mean in volume of what we're going to get. I'm not going to try to upsell you on that before we have the final product. I mean, it's a bigger project as, as in it's a bigger undertaking for Square to make this game because they're dealing with a new engine. Even though they're not making the engine, they're dealing with a new engine. And on top of that, they're dealing with, and this is the biggest thing, a higher expectation for a, the quality level of what we're supposed to be getting for this game. Uh, for those, for all the other previous games, you're either dealing with uh, you know, PS2 quality stuff or 2D crappy Game Boy stuff or crappy uh, DS quality 3D graphics that are roughly like PS1 graphics. So the level of expectation for how the visuals were supposed to look for those games was a lot lower so the art assets didn't have to be as beautiful the animation didn't have to be as tight uh you know they could get away with some cutscenes where the faces were just flat textures with flappy lips you know it's not it hadn't been that that long since that time you know, so don't don't go forgetting it yet. But like, there was a time where we had cutscenes where a a large percentage of the characters just had a flat texture for a face and their lips flapped. So like, that's something that they could get away with back then. They can't get away with that anymore. They've got to do full three D animated faces every time. They've got to do like it's not just textures for these models. They got to also make the materials, which basically determines how the light reacts to the 3d surface like there's a lot more just brute force work that goes into making content that would have taken a fraction of the time on other consoles on previous generation consoles so uh yeah i would say if there's a reason why we've been hearing less is because it's a much harder project and it takes a lot longer for that stuff to get to a point where it's something worth seeing. You know, we need not look farther than like E3 2016. And if you remember what the Kingdom Hearts uh, 2.8 stuff looked like, the demo, like Terra looked awful and off Aqua didn't look that great either. But the, in the final release, they look great, you know? And, and the reason is it took time to postle that stuff. Like, it, you know, you can't just pump out new models like that so quickly and also be testing the game and you know all the other stuff you got to do for games like it, it takes time so uh much in the same way that you know it wasn't we didn't see the final quality level of the models until the very end like it's probably going to be a lot of the same thing f for what they're dealing with right now for kingdom hearts 3 so i have a feeling that a lot of the areas of kingdom hearts 3 probably you know, there's probably not much that they can show that's going to be at a finish level of quality. They're not going to see the finish level of quality till what I would assume is a lot later in development. Whereas uh, back in the day with Kingdom Hearts 2, at this point of development, we had we had seen a lot of final assets. You know, I'm talking like half the trailers that we were seeing. Uh, we were seeing co uh, content that would appear in Kingdom Hearts 2 in the exact same way that we saw it in the trailer all the way back in 2004 uh with kingdom hearts 3 that's not necessarily the case because you know we're, they're constantly optimizing things so things could be downgraded or things could be upgraded like literally every trailer that we see sora in sora looks be has looked better every time we've seen him 
in every trailer. No, every single trailer, somehow they've turned on a new effect. Like, so, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 looks different every time we see it. And towards that end, I have a feeling that's probably why we haven't been seeing much because they're probably not done polishing because it takes a lot longer to polish these things than it did back in the day. So, uh, yeah, that's bit, that's pretty much uh, what I think uh, is the reason for that. Moving on to the next question. This comes from Tyson Wildman. Uh, could you see Sora or any other Kingdom Hearts characters come to Super Smash Bros. at any point in time? Um, my opinion on this is if the next Smash Bros. game is just Super Smash Bros. 4 but ported to the Switch, so like a, you know, just a Switch, effectively just a Switch port of, you know, Super Smash Bros., like a Super Smash Bros. Deluxe, if you will, I would say he won't appear in that. If, on the other hand, there is a Super Smash Bros. 5 and Kingdom Hearts 3 gets confirmed to release on the Switch, I would say absolutely they're going to make Sora work. Now, from a legal standpoint, it's going to be a lot harder than what they did to get Cloud in the game because, you know, you got Disney involved. But I think they'll make it happen. You know, clearly, uh, Tetsuya Nomura and Masahiro Sakurai, the director of Smash Bros., they're clearly tight enough that they got Cloud <laughs> in Smash Bros. 4, and Cloud's never been on the uh, on the Switch. So if that's the case and Kingdom Hearts 3 does come to the Nintendo platform, I think there's going to be a pretty good chance that Sora will come. And a lot of people have been asking for Sora. And like after Cloud, like what other Nomura character do you definitely want to be seeing on the platform? Uh, And like, you know, in terms of like Square characters, like the, the only other character like that really pops up that's kind of recent is Noctis. And he's going to Tekken 7. So that'd be kind of weird if he's also there. It's not to say that can't happen, but like, you know, you know, you didn't see Cloud in Tekken 7, you know, they they picked Noctis because, you know, for whatever reason, maybe Hirata likes, maybe Hirata likes Tabata. I don't know. Hirata Tabata. What a wonderful name. Sounds like Hakuna Matata. Anyway, moving on. Uh, This last question comes from Otaku Tamaki. uh, And they ask, hey, guys, it just dawned on me. So with the Ansem reports, there are. 13 that are canon, including with in Final Mix and the proper Kingdom Hearts 1. But there are also 13 members of our favorite organization, 13 Darknesses. Is there something significant about this number popping up everywhere? Or is it purely coincidence? Or should we just, as always, easier, uh, as is always easier to say, just say Nomura? Uh, I will say, yes, let's, let's first start and, and I'll collectively say it's Nomura. Now that we're done with that. Um, yeah, when it comes to the number 13, like it just has like in terms of like uh, mythology and just like general, uh, you know, human history, the number 13 comes up in a lot of mythology as being a uh, number related to darkness, a, a number related to uh, unluckiness. You know, if you ever heard of the uh, date, the, uh, Friday the 13th, as being an unlucky day, you know, it comes up in numerology as being something kind of sinister. 
you know, just in the same way that 666 is, you know, uh, considered to be a, a bad number. And that comes up in a lot of works of fiction. Uh, so, you know, because it does have uh, some cultural, uh, it, it does tie into real culture that exists in the real world. So I would say that's probably just the main reason. And anytime Nomura wants to number something, I guess he chose the number 13. And maybe he didn't know what it was going to refer to at the time, but then as things went on, he decided to include it more. I would also say that the first time that this number does come up is in, as you say, King of Hearts Final Mix, when there are 13 uh, different uh, Ansem reports. Uh, and also within this same uh, uh, special edition that they made, they uh, introduced the first uh, you know, organization member. Xemnas was there. He was the secret boss. And also, what was also included in that? Well, you know, there was also Deep Dive. And within there, they mention very clearly the 13th Order, which was the original translation for Jusan Kikang, which is, as we know now, uh, translated to be organization 13 so the idea for organization 13 had already exist in the past so and also the new added uh documents of the answer reports that were added in king of hearts final mix they were both pertaining to the secret boss namely xemnas who is a member of the organization 13 so uh that th there's also that sort of symbolism is that the the answer reports that were added that brought the count of Ansem reports to 13. They were both about nobodies and, and all of that. So, you know, because, because of, and, you know, basically Kingdom Hearts 2 related stuff, stuff that Nomura would address in the future. And the main object of the content that Nomura was thinking about at the time was all about nobodies and organization 13. So that's, probably why it popped up in the first games and then ever since then you know we've had organization 13 in various games and they've already been appearing so because of you know i would say the symbology the, the symbolism of it uh you know that we see in fiction and in the real world of you know people of different various beliefs uh and then on, on top of that you know the fact that organization 13 was a thing ever since 13 was a thing in kingdom hearts uh, that, I would say that's the main reason. Uh, it, you know, it's all just it, it. It all comes consistently. He invented Organization Thirteen. I guess he decided the number thirteen for you know the thirteen members would be related to all the would sort of hint at the significance of what this group would be about that they're not so nice. Uh, and you know, ever since then, you know, if there's ever time to number something, throw the number thirteen in. You know, especially if it's related to darkness. If it's somehow tied to darkness, you know, Nomura's going to use a number that feels dark. You know, and it's the same thing with uh, <coughs> with with light. You know, you got the the seven princesses of hearts. That that was something ever since Kingdom Hearts one. And the reason for that, well, again, uh, seven is considered to be a lucky number, a number of light, if you will. And you know, that's. You know, in the same way that the number 13 is culturally significant, uh, the number 7 is also culturally significant for the opposite reason of being a good uh, number. 
So, you know, uh, anytime Nomura wants to have a collection of something that represents something good, he'll have a group of seven. And if he wants to have a collection of something that's supposed to be bad, he'll use the number 13. Now, there is some, you know, potential, uh, you know, uh, uh, other sneakiness happening. Because if you look at the, uh, the, the collection of the foretellers, you know, the, the foretellers uh, in uh, Kingdom Hearts, uh, Key, Back Cover, Union Cross, all those games, uh, you know, we're looking at five, five foreteller, or, or one master of masters and six disciples. Uh, so, you know, we're going back to that. Six is also considered to be an unlucky number, but you got the leader, the master of masters, making it a number seven. So maybe that's a lucky thing, but then Lushu disappears, and then the master of masters disappears, and then you're left with five. I don't know. It's, it's a little bit strange. So I think that, you know, it, it, if that has any significance, I would say the significance is the tenuousness of the righteousness of that group of individuals. You know, I would say uh, the fact that the number keeps changing uh, kind of, you know, if it means anything, it kind of relates to the fact that they might not be as righteous as they seem. Uh, and it might be because the head of that group is not so righteous. Master of Masters. Seems kind of evil. So anyway, that will be our show for today. Our music for this episode was actually requested by uh, a longtime listener of the show, Alex Troutman, and it is a cover of Simple and Clean done in the style of jazz, specifically to be in the style of the game Cuphead, which is a really awesome game that kind of looks like uh, old school uh, you know, 1920s animation. Uh, if if you've never heard of Cuphead, go Google Cuphead and have your mind blown. And let me just say, if your mind gets blown, if this is the first time you're seeing Cuphead, yes, that is a game that you are seeing on the screen. It is not an old animation, and it's just so amazing. So this uh this cover this rendition was done by Airbag Seven and Seven written in Roman numerals uh from YouTube. So definitely check check them out. Our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 19th of December. I believe that will be our last episode of 2017. Yeah, it would be kind of weird if it was the last episode of 2018, since it's not even in 2018. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, yeah, last episode, uh, 19th of December. And as always, uh, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes Store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts, and we're number one. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or KHLTomania's Twitter, which is at KHLTomania. And remember, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And please send us your questions to KHUQuestions at gmail.com. All right. It is that time. It is goodbye time. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I did my best, you know, all things considered, by myself, by the skin of my teeth, trying to finish this episode before it's got to go live. Uh, I was hoping that this wouldn't be a Lonely Hearts Club episode of just me again, but uh, yeah, I, I hope you guys enjoyed it anyway. Uh, I'll definitely endeavor to get Savvy and Churro on the next one. I do not foresee any problems for that one. Again, the reason that it was just me for this episode is because I did go on a much-needed vacation 
uh, and I do feel refreshed now, uh, all things considered. And uh, yeah, next time I'm, uh, I don't have any vacation time at that point. So uh, yeah, we sh should hopefully be all three of us again for one last time to kick 17, uh, 2017 in the nuts and say goodbye. You don't have enough news. Thanks for the Toy Story announcement, but we're going on a 2018 where we're going to play Kingdom Hearts 3. I hope to do that together with Sammy and Churro next time. So anyway, I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. Thank you.